It's good to have you here this morning with us. And I truly mean that. My name is uh, Jordan, and I get to work with the high school students uh, here at Seoul. And uh, if you didn't know, our Jamaican theme up here comes from the fact that uh, our team just returned from a time away, a full, it was supposed to be seven days. It turned out to be eight days, because um, some things don't always go as planned. Uh, but we made it back home, and uh, that, this has been their first week back here in Winnipeg. Uh, an incredible experience that we're going to hear a little bit more about uh, today. Uh, but first off, I, I just want to say, if you're new with us, welcome here again. And uh, Soul Sanctuary is a place of refuge, a place of repair, and a place of rejuvenation. It's in big letters right on that corner on the outside of the wall. You all look there now. You're going to see white wall, maybe a screen. It's on the outside. It's in big letters. It says refuge, repair, and rejuvenation. And that is what this community is about. It's a place where you can come and you can hide when you need to hide. It's a place, though, where change happens. Because if we just keep hiding, nothing gets better. We don't move on. We grow stagnant. But at some point, that process of repair starts to kick in and then eventually we have that that we come to that place where we can be rejuvenated and where we can actually use our journey to help others along their path by the grace of God and that is what I love about this community and in a bit you see these chairs up here you're gonna hear from a handful of our students uh, who went to Jamaica and uh, who experienced some things while out there and they're gonna share their experiences with you um, Pastor Jerry earlier, he kind of had us all stand up and, and make us all really uncomfortable by moving around and shaking hands with people we didn't know. Uh, when we were in Jamaica, about, actually it was two Sundays ago now, we, we were in church. It was our first day there, so culture shock was like beginning to set in. Uh, just social interactions are generally different. Uh, so we went up to church, and it was this tiny little Baptist church that was like a hole in the wall. The Sunday school classrooms were upstairs, and if I'm right to say, it was a concrete floor and like bamboo hut on the top. Like the roof wasn't even finished. And uh, our students kind of separated throughout for different Sunday school sessions, and we all came together um, for the gathering. And uh, I think some of the, the kids will talk about church experience there in a bit. Uh, but one of the things that we did there uh, was they played a song. Nobody knew what they were saying. We just stood up and the objective was to shake hands with everybody. So we all kind of walked around and shook everybody's hand while dancing. The tambourines were going like you thought we were Pentecostal. They're Baptists, but they're more Pentecostal than we are. They're not like Canadian Baptists. They're like, they're Baptists. And uh, it was fantastic, though. It pushed our kids outside of their comfort zone. Uh, it made us engage with culture that we normally wouldn't engage with. Anyways, I'll save all of that for later. Um, any English, uh, English history people like in, in the house when you were growing up in school, you preferred English history? Anybody? Come on, there's a couple of you, yeah? You're probably all teachers, yeah? Actually, the two that put their hands up are an EA and a teacher. I know those ones. All right, anybody math and science? You yeah, love math and science? Another teacher, he's waving me down, all right. And one in the front row, sweet. This idea, though, I'm an English history person myself, and some of us, we don't engage that way, that, 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 that's fine. Uh, but one of the things, as these students come up to share in a bit, that I would encourage you, if you are maybe a little more literary inclined, or even if you're not, the encouragement stands, take out a notepad and jot a note or two. Because I think that we come to church sometimes and we get caught up in the cycle. We get caught up in just showing up, worshiping, doing a tradition or two, and then hearing a lesson, and then we leave and we forgot what we heard. But when you take out a notepad, and this is something we practice with our team, every single day they went back to their rooms and they journaled, they, write, they wrote down what exactly happened during the day. And maybe there's something here for you to learn today. You probably have an iPhone or a smartphone of some sort with a note app. And uh, actually, the Bible app allows you to, uh, to take notes in it. So I would just encourage you, if something stands out to you today, if God's speaking to your heart in one way, write it down. Write it down. And reflect on it a little bit later. I want to start today in Luke chapter 19. If you have your Bible or your iPhone or your eyes, you can look to the screen. And Luke chapter 19, we're going to be talking about Palm Sunday, because that's what today is. In the Christian calendar, we celebrate Palm Sunday as Jesus arriving in Jerusalem. And this is what the scripture says. It said, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. 
as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples ahead of him, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, uh, why are you untying it? Tell them, the Lord needs it. Those who, those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, uh, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As they went along, people spread their coats on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus said, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you that you care about each one of us individually. And we thank you that you've brought us here today to learn something from you. Would your Holy Spirit be upon us as we listen? In your name, amen. So this passage is Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And he sends two disciples ahead of him to go find a donkey, to go procure it from somebody who may or may not know that two people are coming to effectively steal, perhaps return his donkey. Now you try this the next time uh, you take something from somebody, just tell them that the Lord told you to take it and see how that goes over with them. You guys can laugh a little too, all right? You just stretch it out. We're, we're going to... Do the Baptist thing in Jamaica. Thank you for that, that smile over there. Uh, go for it. Hit your neighbor, grab their purse, and tell them that Jesus told you to take it. That's exactly what happens in this passage. We have an owner of an animal, of a donkey. Didn't work well up here. Somebody got hit. We have the owner of a donkey who two disciples come. They show up. They say, God needs this, or the Lord needs this. We're going to take it. They take it, and we don't have any other of that interaction except for one-way dialogue. And they bring it to Jesus. And then Jesus gets on the colt and they go down the Mount of Olives and people come into the road and they lay their coats before this man on this donkey and the coats are on the ground. And then we know from other gospel accounts that there's palm branches, with lots of those in Jamaica. The palms are waved and laid down before the animal as it walks on top of the branches and on the coats. And this interesting dynamic is taking place because the people begin shouting. And they begin shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of of the Lord. There is a continual element here of kingship and a, the people are, are excited about what is about to transpire. And the people of Israel, as they celebrate this king coming into Jerusalem, are celebrating a couple of things. The first thing that they're celebrating is what they see as the coming Messiah as promised through Old Testament prophecy. We can read in Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, both righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And you could imagine the people in the streets at this point as Jesus is coming through, they have this imagery going through their head. They understand that, this is all adding up. Everything that I was taught when I was young seems to be coming to fruition right in front of my eyes. This victorious and righteous king is coming into the land right before our eyes. They use this language, this, this kingship language. Israel is waiting for a king. And to understand the context at this time, Israel is oppressed under Roman rule. The Roman Empire, if you paid attention in grade, grade 8 history, kind of just swept through everything and took over everybody in the process, including Israel. And 
the emperor, or, or at this point, the ruler over the area had entered Jerusalem in a similar manner, riding on a horse, probably. The Romans were well mastered in cavalry by this point in history. Rode in with his procession, and everybody hailed him as he walked in. And then now on the other end of town, you have Jesus coming in. And everybody is hailing him, but they're not hailing him as a Roman uh, power. They're hailing him as the king who's going to overthrow the Roman power, or at least that is the expectation. The significance of the palm branch in this context, it it can't be overlooked. The palm in in Roman, um, the, the Roman god Victory or Victoria is associated with the palm branch in different depictions. And as we study how the Romans praise their gods, the palm branch is synonymous with the god Victoria or Victory. So here we have the victorious king entering, and to the praise of the people who are hailing him as king, coming into the land. The expectation is there. It's building. And the stage is set for a ruler of Israel from the line of David who will come and take What's, or take for God what's his, and to liberate the people from the oppressive Roman rule. This is what the people were waiting for, and as Jesus enters town, this is what they believe that they're getting. But then there's the donkey, and we see this donkey as a symbol. It's a beast of burden. It's a symbol of humility. It's lowly. If Jesus was truly a mighty military conqueror coming into the land, he would have came on horseback, strength, trained animals, well, they're dominant on the battlefield. They outrun infantry. They cut them down while they retreat. That's what cavalry is for. They're strong, but Jesus does the opposite. He comes in on a donkey. And when we look back to Zechariah, we see that this is the king. He's both righteous and victorious, but he's also lowly and riding on a donkey. He is humble. He has this opposite side to him that is not necessarily that sword-wielding power. And, And there's a paradox here between what the people expected of Jesus and and what Jesus actually came to do. And they didn't know it at that time. And this explains this five-day period, what we call Holy Week in the Christian calendar, this five-day period of Jesus falling out of favor where they loved him on Sunday, but by Friday they were screaming for him to be crucified. And, and when I look at my own life, I, I see how, how cultural success in a lot of the circles that I'm in is strictly tied to corporate success. And maybe this speaks to you here today. Uh, my my then-girlfriend, now-wife, and I started a company back in 2014. And in doing so, we were kind of thrown into this world of entrepreneurs, of of people locally here in Winnipeg and kind of around a variety of different networks who all started their own businesses and who are all hustling. And there was a, a, a big attraction about this. And the attraction was that you can hustle, you can make as much money as you want, dependent on the level of work that you're going to put in, that you can forget the haters and what anybody else says about you, that you just do you, you can be your own boss, and you can go, 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 go. And this is attractive. There, there was something I was like, yeah, okay, I can get along with that. If you've been on Facebook, seen shared videos, you, you would hear uh, a guy named Gary Vee or Gary Vaynerchuk, who is a self-made entrepreneur, he will tell you in his, his Facebook and his YouTube videos how you can be the best that you could possibly be, how you could be the most successful entrepreneur, how you can make the most money. He will tell you to forget the haters, to just keep on pursuing your goal. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that until you reach the point where you realize that money doesn't make your life any easier. And usually that comes like, hitting into a brick wall, that what seems inspirational is actually not curing your heart, that corporate success doesn't help you with the burdens that you carry. At the end of the day, the fact is, is that the Jesus Christ that we get, the true representation of Jesus as found in the gospel, is better than any expectation that Israel or anyone else in history could ever put onto him. His mission is bigger than anybody could have imagined. His love is more vast than we could put merit to, and his rule is more dominant and final. When we want this successful, triumphal Jesus, but instead we get 
a humble Jesus on a donkey. We get a cross and we get a grave. But we also get a resurrection. Jesus works for our good in ways that sometimes we don't understand. When he came into town on the donkey, the people didn't understand it. They thought they were getting one thing, but instead what they got was so much better. And this is the trick of preaching on Palm Sunday, is that I'm supposed to like just leave enough anticipation for you to come back and hear about the resurrection. But really, it's 51 Sundays that aren't Easter during the year, and every Sunday is a great Sunday to proclaim the good news. So that's what I'm going to do. Because contrary to the Jewish notions of Messiah, Jesus came to earth both fully human and fully God. He lived, he was crucified, and he rose again. He took the sins of absolutely everybody through the course of human history, including all of you in the room, upon himself. And he promised us a new life with him. He promised us a life being led by the Holy Spirit and ultimately eternal life. And this, my friends, is good news. Good news is the fact that Jesus loves you. Good news is the fact that Romans 5, 8 tells us, while we were still sinners, Christ loved us so much that he died for us. Good news is the fact that no matter what your situation is, as you come here this morning, whether you are on the top of the corporate ladder or whether you're at the bottom struggling to find a job, no matter where you are, that Jesus loves you, that he cares for you. And no matter where you are in that path, he is going to take your hand and lead you through. And it might not be the triumphant on a horse leads you through without any bumps, scrapes, or bruises, but he will lead you through. Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday, or any other day is a fantastic day to preach the good news. Jamaica, Palm Sunday. We'll get there in a second. Anybody have kids in here? He has four. Anybody else? Okay, half of you are lying, because I know. Like, come on, practice. Let's practice. Okay, great, great. We got some kids. Anybody have young kids? Young kids? Right there. She's holding one. So I'm going to assume with young kids, uh, you feed them, you tend to them when they cry, you put them to bed, you change their diapers, and that's pretty much all there is to it. I, I can only assume. I don't know. I'm assuming. You play, okay. You play with them. That's good. Make sure they're happy. Anybody have teenagers? They're like, oh, I have teenagers. Yeah, me too. For 21, uh, or for me and my leaders, we had 21 teenagers for eight days. All right, legally. Actually, in fact, we went through Jamaican customs, and uh, I am the legal guardian at that point in Jamaica of this team. And uh, I went through customs, and we kind of had our leaders spread out along the line with one leader following up the back. Uh, but the problem was, is once you clear uh, customs, you have to go and, and go around the, this maze to baggage claim in Montego Bay Airport. And uh, I had cleared, and I had went to baggage claim. And then around the corner, through all the money changers and everybody else, one of our students comes bounding, and there's like a white look on their face. And I'm like, all right. And they're like, you need to come here. So the, the agent had decided to summon me um, and made sure that I signed their entry form and just decided to remind me that this student was under my care while in Jamaica, as if that pressure I didn't already feel. But yeah, I, I, get, I get you with 21 high school students. Um, I'm not sure how well behaved yours are. Mine are pretty, pretty good. Um, but the fact is, is I had a fantastic leadership team that came alongside of us and made this thing happen. And back in August, we announced to our high school students at Wildlife Camp, which is our summer camp, we announced to them uh, there is going to be an opportunity on spring break of 2017 to go to Jamaica and participate in some missions work. And then shortly after, we formed a team based on those who applied, brought them together every week for, the, for months leading up to uh, departing, sometimes multiple times a week. We brought them together and we did things uh, like talking about who Jesus was to us. We shared with each other how Jesus had changed our lives. We taught each other how we can go out and share the message of Jesus with those that we love. We did fundraising, which many of you were a part of, which we'll get to in a minute. But we built a team, a core, with a united common goal. 
And our goal as a leadership team for this trip was to have students live a life on mission. Before going to Jamaica, to have them live out their faith every single day. That Jesus would radically change their heart in a way that no human intervention ever could. That was our goal. And then to be able to take those hearts on fire for Jesus, a couple thousand kilometers, I'm not sure exactly, down to Jamaica, and to do the same there, and only to return and to continue on our mission, a full life on mission. When we were in Jamaica, when we were on the ground, our mission was threefold. Uh, we were at a place called Blossom Garden Children's Home. And unfortunately, I don't have any photos of that because it's a government-run facility where they don't allow us to take photos of the building or of the children uh, because these student or these children that are there are wards of the state. They've been taking, taken away from their families or they've been orphaned in one way or another and had nobody else to look after them. Uh, they are... They get regular new children in the facility. In fact, when we were there, they brought in a couple of babies uh, that hadn't been there the, uh, or previously uh, when we were there. They have lots and lots and lots of kids, but they have very little staff. And a part of our mission was to simply go to this orphanage, this place run by the government, and to hold kids and teach them about Jesus in whatever way we could. Then we went to the Jamaican Christian School for the Deaf. This is an interesting place. It's off in the middle of nowhere, Jamaica. Uh, we got on a bus, and on the way there, uh, our kids saw people walking around with machetes and headless chickens and headless goats. And, like, and you got Culture 101 right there. It's out in the middle of nowhere, but it's very interesting and, and strategically placed. The buildings there have all been built uh, from the ground up by teams like our own. They rely on an organization for funding. That, uh, they're a private school. Uh, they rely for an organization in the United States for funding that helps them and brings in teams like our own, which will actually construct their work projects because it's cheaper than hiring Jamaican locals to do so. So all the, the supplies and materials are paid for by a team like ourselves. And we come out, and they have one man on staff who does the majority of the work, we call him Boss Man. And uh, Boss Man would, would set everything up for us and tell us what to do, which usually is mixing concrete by hand or something else that's pretty laborious. And their whole uh, facility, back at that first picture on, on this section, is all built by teams like our own. There's four buildings like this that have all been built by teams like our own. And now these function as classrooms. Because the Jamaican Christian School for the Deaf all the students come out of backgrounds of abuse and neglect. In Canada, uh, if you had a, a child born deaf, we have resources and supports in place. In Jamaica, those resources and supports do not exist. And so one boy in particular was there, and he had only been there a couple months, but his bones were so frail, and he was so skinny because he had been abused and malnourished his whole life before he was rescued, so to say, and brought to this school. He was 14, 15, 16, somewhere in there, and he had never communicated with another human being in his life. His first month there was Christmas, and they thought, well, we'll host a Christmas dinner. And so they got the funding to, to put food on the table, and he walked into that room, we were told, and there was so much food that it overwhelmed him, that he ran back to his bunk, locked himself in his bunk, and the only thing they could get him to eat on Christmas was a couple of cookies. He was so sick and infected on the inside that when his family was supposed to come take him to the doctors, they refused. And instead, the uh, head of the school had to take him to the doctor. And the doctor looked at her and said, what did you do to this boy? And she had to explain, he's not mine, but I love him. Only because of the love of Jesus through me that I can bring myself to that. So this is an interesting place. There is students all around while we worked. In fact, um, I, I told these, these kids over the course of the trip that I'm proud of them. And, uh, oh, I'm going to cry. Because I, I, I'm proud of them, because it's true. Because when we, were in, when we were there, they had one of their two directors who was stateside trying to procure more funding. And they told us they didn't have enough food to feed all of the kids until, or over the course of the weekend. Whew, come on. 
They didn't have enough food or money to feed the kids over the course of the weekend. So our kids gave $300, their own money, to be able to feed these kids throughout the course of the next weekend so that they could then get more funding from the group that we were working with who put it out on Facebook and a couple thousand dollars came in so they could get food on the table, something we take for granted, something that we would even have taken for granted while in Jamaica. So it's an interesting dynamic. We also went to a place called the Eden Primary School, or Eden Basic School. And it's simply an elementary school that's just down the road, a government-funded elementary school just down the road, um, from the Jamaican Christian School for the Deaf. And they allowed us to come in and to run a Bible program for the kids. So Pastor Sean and a handful of our kids each day ran this Bible program there at this school. We taught a VBS. We played with the kids, as you can see in the photos. But it was interesting to see the dynamic just down the road, literally a walk down the road. Uh, the difference, well, while the deaf students were all in uniform, uh, they all had stories that we couldn't have even imagined. And when they were shared with us, they broke our heart. In the past, our, our youth ministry here at Soul Sanctuary Wildlife has done trips to the Living Word Temple in, in Winnipeg's North End, running vacation Bible school programs for the kids there. And there's a lot of our students who regularly go and maintain those relationships because it's just a thrown, stone's throw away. Who can, who can be light in lives of students who may not have light. This specific trip took them out of the Canadian-American context to experience what the gospel is like in a second world country and to fulfill the great commission found in Matthew 28, 18-20. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience that our students had. So I'm going to ask our students to stand up if you went on this trip and turn and face everybody. It's convenient you're in the front row. And these students have a thank you. And I'm going to ask our students to give a round of applause for everybody who sits here, who supported our team through the donation of suitcases, the donation of supplies, your generous financial giving, and through prayer. Thank you. You guys can grab a seat. From the bottom of our hearts, and I, I, I know because we've had in our debrief meeting conversations about how this happens, how we're able to experience some of the things that we experience, is not by our own doing, but by the generosity of others. Those of you who came to our coffee house, who came to our dinner dance, silent auction, all of those fundraisers that we participated in, for those of you who selflessly gave out of your own pocket to make it happen, you not only changed a handful of lives in the front row, but you also changed a handful of lives 5,000 kilometers away. I'm going to ask you to watch the screen for a bit of a recap of what happened while we were in Jamaica.
To provide just a little bit of context quickly uh, as far as the buckets and things like that, I said that at, at the Christian School for the Deaf, we um, built things. Uh, so essentially what we did is, is the money that we brought with us was enough to um, purchase the materials to build um, an additional floor, if that makes sense. So essentially um, forming, uh, where we filled uh, hand-stirred concrete uh, up on a fourth floor of a new um, resource center for students who graduate the school to be then trained in basic things like cooking and, and different skills. Um, so that's what we built. And then we dug, and oh boy did we dig, uh, we dug a 50-foot uh, access ramp to the same building uh, so to make it wheelchair accessible. Um, so we dug 16 inches deep through the Jamaican clay, uh, 50 feet long, and then mixed and poured the concrete. So uh, if you need any concrete work done, um, I have laborers. I don't have engineers. I have laborers. Uh, hit us up. Um, with that being said, I, ha I have the pleasure to introduce you to four of our students uh, who are part of the Soul Sanctuary community and also were able to go on this trip. And uh, you guys can all introduce yourselves by saying your name, um, maybe your grade. And let's go like this. Your favorite part of the trip. Like, if there's one thing that stands out to you, uh, what would it be? Let's start here and let's go down the line. All right. So, my name is Andrew Ketting and I'm in grade 12. And my favorite part of the trip, I got to do a lot of digging for the little sidewalk that we made. But something that Jordan didn't mention is on the first day, uh, the guy comes up to us, he's like, all right, so you gotta, you gotta dig like six inches. And so I was like, oh, that's not too bad. So the first day we got like 75% done, and then on like the Wednesday we finished it, and then it was like, oh, surprise, you gotta dig another like 10 inches. <laughs> but, um, oddly enough, that was my favorite part. I got to make lots of jokes with people, I got to know people better, I got to sing and it was just a fun time. 
we turned that concrete line into like a constant dance party, and you were yeah. a big part of leading that, no doubt. So my name's Dakota Bork. I'm in grade 12. And my favorite part of the trip was um, getting closer as a group because we're all pretty spread out age-wise. And so like we wouldn't normally hang out, I mean, aside from youth or even at youth, we all had our own kind of groups. So my favorite part was getting to know everybody in different grades a lot better. Totally. Is it on? Okay. Hi. Um, my name is Isabel Friesen, and I'm in grade 10. Um, my favorite part was also all the bonding and relationships that we built in Jamaica. Because you, if you were to walk in on our meetings at like the beginning of the year, you could see the very clear divisions in our cliques, I guess. But then I guess something about being all hot and sweaty together brings us together. <laughs> Pit stains down to your hips. Michael, where are you? <laughs> um, yeah, like we bonded while holding babies, we bonded while doing construction work, and we definitely bonded while playing president. My name is Sophie Warkentine, and I'm in grade nine. And my favorite part of going to Jamaica was being with the children there and interacting with them. I think it made a huge impact on my life. They just showed so much of God's grace and love, and it was just amazing to see how on fire for Jesus they were and how excited they were to just like sing and praise God. So that was really cool. Absolutely. That's fantastic hearing that from you guys. Um, uh, I guess a little bit more backstory when they talk about working as a group and, and what you probably saw in the video is that when we went to Jamaica, we also um, met up with another team from Virginia, um, which I didn't tell our students about until the day before the trip. Uh, there were a bunch of seniors kind of on their senior trip slash mission trip from a, a Christian school. Um, and it was cool. I think a Andrew and Dakota had kind of alluded to it, this idea that uh, you had these two groups that were from different cultures. We had Canadians and Americans. We, we affectionately called them the Virginians. And uh, these groups came together, and they were able to work and uh, rub shoulders with each other and to truly make a difference um, in the lives of those that we were serving. And I thought that was something that was really cool and admirable um, about our group. Uh, throwing it back to you guys, one of the things that we did every night um, while we were in Jamaica, we kind of had a session together, uh, a debrief, if you will, and we asked the question, which is a fantastic question for all of us to ask in our lives. Uh, we said, where did you see God today? Uh, where did God reveal himself to you? Um, or... Um, or what experience with God, or where did the Holy Spirit lead your heart? Something along those lines. And we just simply called it God sightings. Um, so Izzy and Dakota, if you guys could share, um, where did you see God on this trip? What was a God sighting that maybe um, stuck out to you? Um, so um, where, I saw that, where I saw God the most through the trip was... Um, we're at the kids' home, Blossom Garden. Um, all these kids, you know, they literally have the clothes that are on their back, and, you know, that's it. They've got, you know, a yard to go play in, but, you know, aside from that, they have nothing. Um, and so it was really uplifting to see how much joy these kids had and love that they could share with everybody. Like, even, like, you walk in the door first thing in the morning, and all they want to do is just um, hug you and love on you. Like, it's amazing how um, open they are to new people coming in and, you know, just getting to show God's love to you, even though you think, you know, you went there to, you know, show God's love to them. It's amazing how your eyes are really open to how much they really just want to love other people. My God sighting on the last work day um, came in the form of a pair of sunglasses. So I gave my sunglasses to a little boy to play with, and he was overjoyed. Like my sunglasses then traveled from kid to kid, and I'm sure that it made many more smile than I saw. And it just struck me that something so insignificant to us, like a simple pair of sunglasses, brings so much joy to little kids or like kids out in Jamaica and 
like it was crazy because they would they'd be smiling just they had a pair of sunglasses cool sunglasses why do we care about sunglasses just to keep our eyes safe but they like saw it as so much more than just than just that like it was like mind-blowing I guess because yeah it brought so much joy to them I think adding on to that, Izzy, um, on our last day at the work site, like um, your sunglasses, and there were a couple other pairs floating around too, but uh, in the same respect, it was a humbling moment when uh, we were covered head to toe in concrete and, and dirt and everything else from all the digging and the pouring. Um, and we changed out of our clothes so that we could get back on the bus, and uh, our bus driver was very particular about how clean his bus was. Uh, but we changed out of our clothes, and uh, there were a handful of students um, from our group and from another group uh, who had given their shoes to some of the students at the deaf school. And uh, if I speak out of my own um, folly, if you'll call it that, um, I, I got change and I was holding this, these just like absolutely disgusting clothes and shoes and I was on my way to the garbage can with my shoes and uh, somebody called to me and said, no, 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 bring them up here. And I uh, did a 180 and went, went up and we laid out our shoes and we laid out our clothes and, and things that in our society we would consider or I considered worthless at this point because of their condition. They said, no, 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 well, we'll clean these up, we'll glue them, we'll, we'll put them back together and we'll use them. And uh, I think that's perspective to add on to the fact that um, sometimes God works through a pair of sunglasses. Um, I look to Andrew and Sophie, and I'll ask you guys um, if there's something you brought back with you. And I know we, we've met this week already. We meet again today after this, and we have a lot of time to, to dissect that and to say, what, what do we have about this experience and what, what carries with us into our everyday life? But I'll ask you to, Andrew, we'll start with you and we'll move on to Sophie. Um, what's something you brought back with you? What's something significant that's stuck? There are a couple things that have that I brought back with me. Um, I know Dakota and Izzy mentioned it. It was like just stronger friendships. And it's weird because like all the meet, we would have meetings every week from like September all the way up to the trip. But I think I got closer with like everyone in the group in just like one week in Jamaica compared to like ever, like from September up till our trip. So yeah, um, more friendships. As well, I just kind of, like, I could, I brought a new sense in, like, God's love back. Because, like, I think it's it's pretty difficult for us to, like, comprehend God's love because it's just, like, so great. But, like, I think seeing everything that, like, God was everywhere that you would look there. Like, we went to Blossom Garden and, like, you could just feel God's presence and God's love, like, for all these kids. And I, I just kind of, I have a better understanding for God's love after seeing, like, what he does for everyone there. Cool, thanks for sharing. Um, I brought back a new passion for sharing the word of Jesus with people around me. This experience has made me more trusting of the plans that God has for my life. I also grew so much deeper in my relationship with God. Jamaica gave me a sense of purpose for my life. I learned that my purpose in life is to spread the love of Jesus and tell everyone about him. Oh, that is fantastic. Can we give it up for these four? Yes, To, to hear that from their mouths makes me be like, ah, oh, sweet, okay. So proud, yeah. I, t I told them all week, I'm so proud, guys, I'm so proud, yeah. And they mock me for it. Um, but to hear things like that and, and to see that played out in action, um, it gives me a hope and uh, for this group of grade 9 to 12 students and, and for so many more as well who have the chance to experience Jesus, maybe just a little bit outside of your regular context, changes some perspectives and gives you an opportunity to bring back perspectives to share with others. And uh, yeah, that's awesome. And I, I think that as I close up here, the good news is good news no matter where you are. 
And the good news that these students experience in Jamaica is the same good news that's available for you sitting here today to experience. And it's the same good news that you can experience on an airplane. Um, when you leave your gate in Montego Bay, you back up and then you sit there for three hours while they turn the airplane off and on again to see if it works. Not joking, not joking. And in that moment, as we sat on that tarmac for three hours, um, Pastor Shauna had the opportunity just to, to minister to um, our, our um, stewardess, the, the hosts uh, from the airline, as they were dealing with a whole bunch of people who wanted to go home, a full airplane full, and as they gave out free earbuds and water, and, and t- I turned around, and uh, I just saw Pastor Shauna talking and conversing, and, and later she shared what those conversations were like, and, and she shared her realization that in that moment, even though we sat on the tarmac for three hours only to get off the plane and, and go back into Montego Bay, even though that happened, God put us there for a very specific reason at a very specific time to minister to some very specific people. And if you're a follower of Jesus in here today, I would challenge you and encourage you, where has God put you? In what context do you find yourself right now? Maybe it's not necessarily where your heart wants to be. Maybe you're not at that idealized spot in your mind. But where does God have you? And who is around you that you can be a light to? I asked one of our other students on Friday night, uh, why did we go to Jamaica? And uh, his snarky, quick response was, just to shine the light of Jesus. And his basic and Sunday school answer-ish as that is, It is so right. And our purpose here today is to just shine the light of Jesus. To draw others closer to Him. To begin to plant seeds in the hearts and lives of those around us. I want to read you a passage of scripture that comes from the book of Psalms 23. Psalm 23. It's a psalm of David. And David was in a particularly good mood at this point. If you read that in light of some of his other psalms. But he says this. And this is a psalm that's known around the church. It's known uh, by people not even in the church. It's relatively popular. Because it rings a truth. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I will not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies and you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me for all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And in Psalm 23, we see characteristics of who God is. We see characteristics that Jesus embodied during his time on earth and characteristics of the Holy Spirit as he's living and active in our lives today. Psalm 23 tells us that our God is a God of provision. He's going to look after our needs. It tells us that our God is a God of peace who's going to come during times of strife and give us a peace that we can't quite understand, but all we can do is feel. He's a God of restoration, of rejuvenation, a God who takes us from the pits and elevates us by his grace into something more. He's a God of guidance who takes our hand and leads us through the valley. He is a God of protection that wherever you go, his hand is over you. It doesn't mean you're going to get through or unscathed. It means that he has and he is always watching over you. And if you need any of those things that this psalm describes, I've got good news for you. Is that the God who works in high school students in Jamaica is the same God who works through us here. He's the same God who's in this room with us right now as we speak, who is longing to meet you. He is going to meet you where you are at. And he loves you so much that he will not leave you there. He will meet you and drag you, drag you. He will take you into deeper Things while showing you his love and his grace and his care and compassion. If you need provision, peace, restoration, guidance, protection in one way or another in your life, he is calling your name. He desires a relationship with you, but he waits for you to initiate. Sometimes he intervenes, but he waits for you to take his step 
toward him. He's not going to force you, but he waits for you. And some of us, we've met Jesus at some point in our life and we've gone our own way. And, And he says, that's okay, come back. He says, I will meet you where you're at. Come back, come back. I love you. Your past does not define your future, but allow God to use your past so that you can help somebody through their present. If you're on this road, you're somewhere in this journey today, I encourage you to open up the doors of your heart, to reach out your hand because he is waiting for you. And after the gathering, we're going to have a team of people here at this cross who are ready and willing to pray for you should you need prayer, wherever you are in your journey. If you've never experienced Jesus before and you oh so desperately want to, they will be there. They will walk you through every single step. It's not that hard. It's a matter of crying out to him. And he does the rest. Pastor John McClellan is going to meet you there. But my encouragement for you today is wherever you find yourself, In any stage of life, be reminded that Jesus loves you. A simple Sunday school rhyme, but a truth that has rung through the centuries, has rung through the millennia, that Jesus loves you, that he desires you, that you are worth immeasurably more than you could comprehend to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your love as as it was dished out by these high school students in Jamaica, giving money so that other students could eat. God, I thank you for your love that changes hearts. I thank you for your love that ignites passions within people's soul. Lord, I pray specifically for those right now in this room who are looking for a sense of purpose. God, would you ignite that purpose within their hearts? Make it so surefire that they know it comes from nobody else but you. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you rode into Jerusalem on a donkey full of humility. God, we thank you that you died and that you rose again. So would you be with us as we go this week? In your name, amen. I'll ask you to all stand. Before we go, um, we gave a blessing. And the blessing is quite simple. Um, It embodies some words uh, of Bob Marley, because I feel like that's suitable. Not that I think his theology is all that suitable, or was all that suitable, but uh, he's got some truth in there. But today, as, or, or in ancient times, those who bless would raise their hands, and those doing the blessing would do likewise. If you'd like a blessing today, let's throw them in the air. And as you go today, remember, don't gain the world and lose your soul, for wisdom is far better than silver or gold. May you find community in those who surround you and draw you closer to Jesus. And may you draw near to the giver of wisdom and walk in his will for your life and be blessed. We'll see you Friday, our bad Friday gathering.